What's up, everyone? Travis and John here with another episode of the Amazing Elbow Tight Podcast. John, how was that episode? We literally just got done with it. I'm not even lying to you. I'm like, is that was amazing. That was such. This is such a good episode. Like, knowledge bombs, laughter. Like, it was so good. It felt like he was a friend that I didn't know I had. I know. I, I, I was like, <laughs> I felt a, like a little connection. Yeah, like, right. With him. It was. It was. It was. I'm telling you right now. This is. We say it about every episode, like this. Oh, this is my favorite episode. But, like, I had that was so much fun. And it's it was definitely only, in the top five. Yeah, definitely. And it was a short episode. It wasn't even that long either. It's like what an hour. Yeah, a little over an hour, if if that. And I was like, I was like, we could keep going. There's like so Could've. much stuff. But he's such a busy man. He's like, he's a uh, he had he had to go. He only allotted a certain time for us, but. But look, it was, if he wants to come on again, I'm going to ask him, like, yo, you want to come on again? You could totally come on the show. I've already sent him, like, a Facebook friend request. And it's going to like, come on, man, talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> but I got to tell you, like, the information he was putting out was so good, I want, I wanted, like, a pen and paper. Like, Yeah, well, good I thing it's on write, audio. I wanted to write it down. Yeah, well, there's an audio version. I'm old. I'm old school. You listen to audio books. No, I, I don't listen to audio books. You listen I've to never, podcasts. Listen podcasts to our podcast. Are, podcast is not an audio book, though. You know what I'm saying? Listen. Right? There's refinement this, when you read books. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Anyways, right. so... John, what was some of the stuff we covered today, actually? Oh, man. We talked about uh, strength training, endurance, uh, best way to, well, some of the best ways to get fit for jiu-jitsu, uh, injury prevention. We, we talked about a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, fe- I felt like, I thought it was going to be kind of heavy into the science and I was going to get lost in it, but no, man, it's so, it's it's really good. Like, he breaks it down probably the best he could it's it's fantastic the part i did get lost in is he dropped so many dang names at the beginning of the episode when he's talking about all the people who use the strength and condition train i was getting glossy i was like i don't even know who most of these guys are i'm not even lying to you i should probably go listen back to it and write them all down really quick because he, he goes fast he drops names left and right and i'm like who is this guy I'm like holy crap holy crap you know what i mean but it was great man yeah i thoroughly enjoyed that that was a good one yeah so john what, what we got for our beverage of the day then we have a incline cider company Marionberry. Uh, I thought the most it, for one it was delicious. It this rem- is amazing. It kind of reminded me of a grape Jolly Rancher without all the sugar. Yeah, maybe Ooh, that's, that's just a good. Me. That's a good like, way to. That's put what it, I was man. getting. I was like, man, you only brought us one each. That's sad. I know, but I could have totally. It's six and a half percent. I yeah. could have totally been like hammered by now. We joke about that with Chad too. Chad, <laughs> Chad does a pot. Used to do a podcast. Well, he's going to start it back up. It was what, what was it? Brews with Chad. Uh, beers. Beers with Chad. And he was talking about, he's like, man, I've been drinking so much lately. I just, I got to slow down. And I was like, that's why we only bring one into the podcast. <laughs> you know, one of the images I kept, I'm thinking, man, I've never seen a guy that's over six foot, 300 pounds wear a ballerina slipper. Yeah. You guys will figure that out in the episode too. Yeah. If you guys don't know nothing about Chad, once again, I don't think we said, but it's Chad Wesley Smith is our, our guest today. If you don't know nothing about Chad, his accolades are amazing, man. The, the amount he has accomplished in competitive sports in a number of different disciplines is just astronomical it's crazy the athleticism and the amount of success this guy has on top of he owns juggernaut strength and conditioning or juggernaut training systems and then you know he's just like it, it, it's it's amazing it's it's cool to talk to someone like that it's kind of like when we talk to jason and it's like the accolades and like what they've done and all the cool things that they they've experienced it's like well, I'm sitting here in a podcast room talking to you about this. Like, doesn't that count for something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, real quick, when I was uh, researching Chad, you know, I came across uh, some quotes he had said that he wanted to be the biggest, the strongest, and the fastest out of anyone, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking, man, he was definitely working all the right things for that. And then he he talked about, uh, I think he was in school, and they were talking about David and Goliath reading the Bible. and. You know, they were like, who do you want to be? And it was like, oh, everybody wants to be David. He's the good guy. And I want to be like, Goliath. He's like, I want to be Goliath. He's the <laughs> biggest. And I was thinking, oh, man, and he, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it's a it's a great episode, man. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. I don't see how, honestly, I don't see how you, you couldn't enjoy this episode. It is uh, amazing, man. Um, also, some housekeeping stuff. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram uh, at Elbows Type Pod. Like our Facebook page, Elbows Type Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on uh, YouTube. Like, subscribe, comment down below. Down in the description below, we'll have all of the information of all our social medias. Um, and yeah, that's it, right? That's it, man. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode of Elbows Type Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Peace. Later.
Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis and John. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am doing great. We have the fantastic Chad Wesley Smith on the show today. How are you doing today, Chad? Good, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, coming on, man. I'm uh, super excited about this. We've been doing a little bit of research on you and trying to make sure that we're not just another boring interview for you. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll tell you what, Chad, while I was talking to you, like, we have a lot of the same things in common. We, All right. Sounds we, good. We both love Perth. Uh, <laughs> we both like Mexican food. Yes. So, yes. you know, we're doing good so far. <laughs> so, uh, before we go any further, Chad, hey, what do you got for your beverage of the day today? Uh, this is a Stone uh, uh, Health and Benefits IPA. Yes. Yes. Cheers to you, buddy. We uh, we were just talking about Stone last episode, actually. It's one of my favorites. I just got finished spending uh, like seven months down in San Diego. I think I've had all their beers. I don't understand why they're always upside down on the can, but... Yeah, that's a that's a new thing. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think they're trying to play it off like it was a misprint. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we actually meant to do this. You're like, I don't, I don't think you actually did mean to do that. Like, <laughs> if I like really, you know, turn it up, pull Stone Cold Steve Austin style. Yeah. <laughs> is that the low carb one? Uh, unfortunately, it is. That's my favorite one, though. What is, are you talking is, about? Is that last... the one that you're talking about too? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, look, it's he's the first got... time I had it. Is it, is it so, good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, what's what? Can you give us the details on it if you don't mind? So, it literally reduced, is upside down. <laughs> gluten reduced, only ninety five calories, four four percent. So pretty pretty light IPA. I was like, oh, I might have to do some work after this. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Yeah, we were just talking about IPAs uh, last time because one of my favorite is uh, Arrogant Bastard from from Stone. Out there. I, I love that one. There's a, a special edition. I don't know if they still have it. Uh, stone called Southern Chard, huh. and it is. Uh, and it comes in in like a almost like a wine bottle looking thing with a red label, uh, and it's triple arrogant bastard aged in in bourbon barrel. Oh my gosh! It's like twelve and a half percent, but for a twelve and a half percent triple IPA is. Pretty fucking good. Yeah, I've had one bourbon barrel stout before, and I like took a drink of it, and it, I felt the burn as it went down, like I was drinking straight bourbon. And I had one glass, and I was hammered. You passed I was, out. <laughs> I remember that. You had the one. You weren't and you there. This, oh, listen okay. to this guy. You weren't checking. even there. <laughs> so hey, but without further ado, Chad, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to people who might not know who you are? All right. Um, well, you know, for the jujitsu context of things, I'm a three stripe blue belt. <laughs> Uh, Gracie Baja headquarters was third, third at, at Adult Worlds, whenever the last time they had that was 2019, uh, at Blue Belt, uh, third at Worlds and Pan Am's strength and conditioning coach for many. Uh, I just came out of my garage right now from training uh, Otavio Sousa, Kyron Gracie, Roberto Alencar, Tusa, John Jones's coach, Felipe de la Monica, as uh, our, our professor at Gracie Baja headquarters. Marco Joka. So I think we had, there would have been about, let's see, four, 12, uh, 19 stripes worth of black belts in the, Holy in the garage. Now, wow. Uh, those guys like Hamo Bahal, Felipe Pena, uh, Victor Estima. So been a strength coach for a lot of a lot of uh, very top-level jiu-jitsu guys, uh, and then myself as a athlete, besides my illustrious blue belt career, I <laughs> uh, threw an Olympic standard in the shot put and then transitioned to powerlifting, where I squatted 970, bench 573, deadlifted 815 for what at the time was the ninth highest total of all time in powerlifting. Wow. Raw, raw powerlifting and a professional strongman. Uh, and then, yeah, strength coach for all all levels of sports, uh, NFL players, jujitsu, uh, Olympic track and field guys, Olympic bobsled, um, and of course power, powerlifting. Coach a lot of powerlifters as well. Yeah, we were uh, we were listening to your your what was it playlist on the, Spotify? Yeah, the world's greatest <laughs> hipster. Is, is that what it was? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah, the strong. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still consider yourself the world's strongest hipster? <laughs> Um, I'm 
not the strong. I'm not near as strong as I used to be. So someone could probably take me. Off that <laughs> but for this context, we'll say yes. <laughs> hey, I, I was curious when uh, did you? I was reading up. You just cold called a, a jujitsu place and was like, "I can make you stronger, faster, and better at jujitsu." Pretty much. So I started my my company, Juggernaut Training Systems, uh, eleven years ago. Um, eleven going on twelve now. Well, and. You know, I've been coaching high school football and track for three years prior to that, uh, my last three years of college while also competing in track. And then, you know, when we opened the gym, like I didn't, we didn't have any clients. I wasn't a personal trainer or something like that. I had my football kids that I'd coached, but they were all in season when we opened. So I was like, let's try and, you know, get some, get some more clients. And here in Orange County, California, you know, roll hub for, MMA and, and jiu-jitsu. So it was just kind of like going down the, you know, going down the list of calling places. The first place I talked to is OC Muay Thai and the guy was such a fucking dick to us. Uh, and my guy, Nate, that I started joking around with, we walked out of that little pitch and looking at each other, just like, man, is this what this is about to be like? And the next guy, next guy we talked to was a gigante Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I don't really know much about jujitsu then. You know, I don't know if I know that much about it now, but uh, sometimes, but, but, you know, I had enough understanding, obviously, that being strong and, and well-conditioned is helpful. So talk to this guy on the phone and he's like, oh yeah, come in and talk to me. And I, I walk in and this six foot seven, 250, mm. 260 pounds, black belt, Fabio Vilela, Giganchino um, is there and I, you know, I can tell them, you know, uh, I think I could help you, you know, improve your strength and conditioning for jiu-jitsu. Like I'll coach you for free. And if you like it, tell your, you know, tell your friends, tell your students. And, you know, it was just him for a couple of weeks. And then it starts having Ulpiano Malachias come with them, who runs Gracie Baja Westlake now down in Houston, which is like 900 students or something. Holy crap. Um, and then from there, Yeah. Otavio, Philippe, Chiron, Hominio, Felipe Pena, Tusa, Victor Estima, all, you know, I, at the time, I don't think I really had an appreciation for how remarkable it was, but there would be times in the, in the run-up to Worlds in Pan Ams, those last like three, four weeks, particularly as people were coming from out of state, out of the country, and these guys were all training jiu-jitsu together at the Grace Baja headquarters in Irvine. And I was five minutes down the road. So, yeah, that room of 16 black belts, you know, would train, get lunch, and then come to lift. And so it was like the, just an absolute room of killers all the time. <laughs> but to, to me, I was like, oh, these guys kind of suck at lifting. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know you had this great resource of knowledge right there all piled up in your in your place. That's awesome. Yeah, and they, and they were always trying to get me – Back, this is like 2010, 11, 12. Oh, Koshed, come on in. You got to, you're going to smash everybody. And uh, uh, I, I took, you know, maybe like two fundamentals classes back then, but didn't really want to run the risk of like getting my shoulder, elbow hurt, messing up my lifting. So I didn't, didn't dive into it. But I, I wish, you know, with hindsight that I at least would have just kind of trained, you know, twice a week type of, type of deal because. I was so much more athletic back then coming off of uh, throwing the shot put for a decade than I was coming off of a, a decade of powerlifting and strongman. But uh, so when it was time, you know, when I was done powerlifting, I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be time for a fun new challenge. Like, I wonder if those guys were right, if I really could smash everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, call them up. And it's been awesome to, you know, be on the other side of the coach athlete relationship with a lot of those guys and and just really love the the jiu-jitsu community so yeah so you, you've been doing it for about how long now then uh three three years uh i guess three and a half years but 2020 uh yeah between covid and i i was in a who's number one uh flow grappling yeah thing. I ruptured, a tendon, ruptured a tendon in my thumb and that so i had to have surgery and a pin put in there so between the, that thumb surgery and COVID shutdowns and then getting COVID and uh, I hadn't trained a ton. I, I probably trained six months out of 2020. 
Yeah, 2020 definitely was a quite a quite a year for a lot of people. So how how long did it actually take you to get your blue belt? How long were you a white belt? Because you have so much of an athletic background and you're obviously a larger guy. So did you think that played into you getting your blue belt quicker or how long did it take you to get it? Uh, I had my blue belt or my white belt from, I started in September, 2017 and I got my blue belt in February, 2019. So that's that's a good time. Yeah. 18, 18 months or so. And because I, I travel a lot for, for work, um, I had at least two or three months in that first 18 months of training where I didn't train really at all. Um, but I also do a lot of privates and stuff. And I was, I'm big now, you know, I'm 300 pounds, but when I started, I was a, a year out of powerlifting and that was really a year of very little training of any kind for me. So I, I was as big as 375 pounds when I was powerlifting and I I started jujitsu at about 365, but not the strength that I had been anywhere near that, you know? So, you know, I, I really think like a point of diminishing returns where body weight in jujitsu seems like, you know, 240, 250, uh, body type, you know, aside, I guess you got some guy who was like six, seven or six, eight, he could probably be 300 pounds and it be really advantageous for his game. But, you know, there are so many, as many things as strength could help with at that, at that point, it was hindering me in, in, you know, just the way that my 6'1", you know, 6'1", 365 pounds, like. That's a lot to move around. <laughs> with that. And, and when I came in the, the first day, uh, Professor Philippe, you know, he's, he said, train like, you know, train like you're weak. And I really took that to heart the whole time of from both trying to learn the techniques better and not rely on my strength and to just not be, you know, an asshole training partner. Cause I, you know, I figured no one's, no one's pumped to train with the 365 pound <laughs> power lifter. Uh, so I've always tried to be mindful of having a, a kind of light technical game in, in training. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Jason Kalipa on our last episode, and he was talking about oh. him as a, as a white belt, same thing, right? Is he he didn't uh, convey to people his strength, so he was saying like, I'm sure you can attest to this, like he would grab people and people would like freak out, they're like, "Holy crap, what's going on?" And they would just like turn it up on him. You know what I mean? Like, did you ever have any experience like that where someone was just like so shocked by you they just went straight offense? Um, not so much. I mean, I th- I think most people could tell this guy is enormous. Uh, <laughs> so they, they knew sort of what they were getting into. And a lot of the, the higher level guys, they had known me as, well, you're the juggernaut guy. Um, and even the first day of class, you know, we're going through the line at the end of class, like bowing, shaking hands and good training, good training. And, and when, you know, professor Philippe is like, Oh, coach shed, good training. I, I could definitely tell there were people who were like, why is, why is he calling this first day guy coach? <laughs> or a couple times where I'd be at tournaments, either competing as a white belt or just there to watch. And people would come and ask for the pictures, but it was because they knew me from lifting right. stuff. And, and one of the times I was competing as a white belt and the guys, oh, can, can I get a picture with you? And I could hear his friends, like one of the guys taking it. He's like, why the fuck do you want a picture with a white belt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, I actually really enjoy that, uh, the anonymity part of jiu-jitsu um, compared to like going to powerlifting meets and, you know, whatever minor celebrity I may be in that culture. Uh, it's kind of nice to just go in and be a beginner. Less pressure, right? You can just have fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say less pr- pressure, but so the first, term, the first tournament I ever did was uh, I'd probably been training for five months, four months. And it was just this intra Gracie Baja uh, comp net, they call it. So just all Gracie Bajas. And you know, here there's one in every city and in Southern California. So a lot of people, but two, just a, a three man white belt, uh, ultra heavy bracket. And I'm going with the, the first guy and, and, you know, like I, I go for the shoulder throw and, and don't commit to it and get caught underneath him. And so I, I lose by like advantage or whatever it was. 
five five minute match and I'm so fucking tired and with just three people. It was like a round robin, so I was gonna have to go again in five minutes. Right. Yeah. And I was fine. You know, I mean everyone's first tournament, that adrenaline dump and you're you're gripping everything way too hard. My forearms are locking up. <laughs> and this is all Gracie Baja stuff. So everyone that I know, you know, ninety percent of the people I know from jujitsu are own their own schools, are you know, world champion, Pan Am champion, black belts. They're all there. Oh, Koshe, let's go. You're going to smash him. <laughs> I lose. And then five minutes later, I'm so fucking gassed out from the first one, I lose again. <laughs> this is, this is, so I lose twice. I'm 0 and 2 in front of the heroes of the <laughs> And not only that, I'm coming off top 10 in the world ever in powerlifting. Six months to become six months of competing in strongman to become professional strongman two-time college national champion in the shot put olympic standard in the shot put. like every sport i've ever done i've had a great amount of success in right and i'm walking away from that thing that night like <laughs> is this for me <laughs> i didn't know i could demote myself beyond white belt but that was pretty yeah. bad <laughs> give me the pink one yeah give me the pink so uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, too, is because I know that you've competed at a high level in multiple different uh, disciplines, like you just said. So with that jiu-jitsu, it's funny you brought it up because I, I haven't competed yet in jiu-jitsu because uh, the first tournament we were supposed to do, I backed out, I, you know, whatever. But he did it, and he was telling me about what same thing happened to you, right? Yeah, yep. So he was, he was, like, gassed and everything like that. What advice would you give people to kind of stay warm? Because, like, in weightlifting, right, in, like, Olympic weightlifting, we do, like, reps in between, right? There's target numbers that we want to hit before we go to our opener. What would you recommend to people to stay warm in between matches? Uh, well, I mean, the, the staying warm in between matches, I think, can be it's so varied because if, if you're at – you know, uh, IBJJF, like a huge Worlds or Pan Ams, you could have 40 minutes in between. Other times you're going to have five minutes in between. So, like, when it was the, that first match and I had five minutes in between, and I was just so, so adrenaline dump and everything from the first one, I got my coaches, like, rubbing my forearms to try and get some, some grip back in it. Then it's just kind of like keep moving. You know, you'll recover better staying walking around than, than just sitting there. So that's significant. But if, if you know it's you're going to have some more time and at those big tournaments, I mean, they've got the schedule, but it's always moving and changing that, uh, you know, give yourself five or 10 minutes to just walk and, and rest. And then, yeah, you could probably sit down for, for five or 10 and then, you know, get up, just kind of do some do some drills and, and keep moving a little bit. But, you know, I, I when you're in the bullpen at those those tournaments, you see guys who they're they're popping around the whole time and they're nonstop, and other guys who just sit there, you know, for an hour in between matches, and then they're up and and going. And each each side has success, but just from like a sports science standpoint or whatever, um, you know, staying walking, sipping on water as long as you need to for like your heart rate to come back down post match, then can sit, maybe, you know, get some fast carbs in you, like a, a Nutrigrain bar, Fig Newtons type of thing, sip on a, a protein carb shake. Um, depending on how long you have in between, give yourself some time for that. Get up, move around for another couple minutes, relax again, and then just start kind of, you know, walking just to keep blood flowing and whatever you just ate. So it's not just sitting in your stomach, but that's getting out in the in the bloodstream. Yeah, I was I was pretty much in the same boat as you. I was the first match, and um, I got five minute break, and then I was the next match. So I won the first one, but I went it that five minute break. I went into the second one. I still didn't have any feeling left, but whatever. I lost oh. that one, and but for then I had like a twenty five minute break before the next match, and I felt totally recovered and ready to attack that last match. So that was good, but I was thirsty. All I could do is drink water, like. Yeah. When that sucker was over. I was pounding water nonstop. I don't know why, but I was super thirsty. Well, and I think everyone their their first match. I mean, probably even till black belt guys are still kind of you know blowing their wad in the in the first couple minutes of that first match, and you get to that, you know, it, it could be thirty seconds, and then then you go out of bounds, and they reset you or whatever, and 
and trying to you know control your breathing, putting yourself in situations in training that are are more you know stressful because uh, that that's universal across sports. I, I coached uh, high school football for several years, and we could condition as much as we want during during training camp, and we're going to get to that first game, and guys are coming off the first series, huffing and puffing. It's like didn't do shit. You know, just come <laughs> ass down. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a a big piece to it. And it, I mean, you see, just as you train more, like your grips don't wear out as fast, and like okay, you have better grip endurance, but you're also not over gripping in right, places right. that you don't need to. And, but I I've never been as nervous for any sporting competition. This is you know competing at the the world stage in in powerlifting and, and national stage in track and field. I've never been as nervous as I was for Pan Am's 2019 Pan Am's. So I'd, I'd gotten my blue belt. Well, in, in January, 2019, I had a surgery for an umbilical hernia and I started training again, probably two weeks later. And so like surgery about January 15th, start training real light again, February 1st, and then like February 20th, something like that. Uh, it gave me my, my blue belt. And then like February 21st was the last day to register for Pan Ams. And I was like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, you know, sign up. And if you don't feel ready, we'll back out. Okay, sign up. It's in two weeks, whatever, three weeks. Train, 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 feeling good, feeling good. The weekend before, I mean, 10, 10 days before, I'm down on a single on this guy. He turns out, heel, whacks me right in the oh. lip, uh, puts my bottom, you know, my bottom teeth through through my lip, all the way through. Oh. Think four stitches inside, five stitches outside, something like that. So now this is 10 days out, and I'm like, shit, you know, I can't, like, I don't want to be sticking my face in to, to train hard. So then we just kind of drill for the next couple days and, and I'm going into this thing like I got my blue belt three weeks ago. I haven't been able to train for real for the last week from the, the, the stitches. I'm looking at the bracket, you know, I'm trying to look the guys up on Instagram and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we did that too. <laughs> that from the other perspective, it's like, well, they're probably trying to look them up on Instagram too. And I'm, likely more intimidating in that sense than most people. So I see, you know, the first match, second match, and the third, I was like, if I can win two matches, I make the semis is against a guy who was, he was defending world Pan Am world champion at blue belt. And the only guy bigger, bigger than me, Jason Shirley, uh, is like six, five, three thirty, played in the NFL. I was like, if I can make it there, that's good. That's a, a good day. But I like, couldn't sleep the night, the night before, like, really anxious feeling for a couple of days before it. Cause in powerlifting, it's, it's simple in the sense that you do the work and you can predict pretty well how much weight you're going to lift. But this is like, you just don't, you don't know what's waiting for you on the other side and, and so many more variables that was probably the least prepared I'd ever felt for a competition. <laughs> just being such a new blue belt, but it, it went pretty well. So it went, two submissions and I did lose in the semis, but it was a much better match. I think if I'd gone into that match thinking I can beat this guy rather than like, all right, I made it to the semis. This is good enough that I could have beat him, but that's a story for a different day. Did you notice the intensity was vastly different than the way you normally train? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, that, that was the biggest difference to me is like, I, I just like you, I didn't know what to expect. Right. I, I don't know what's going on. Like, as soon as they started the match, it was like I thought the guy was trying to kill me, like, like from the get go. And I was like, when when the day was over and I went back to class on Monday, that same intensity was still with me. So I was just uh-huh. like running through everyone, <laughs> and I was like, I gotta calm down. This is not competition. Like, <laughs> the uh, was like, well, uh, maybe five five or six weeks before that, Pan Ams, I started to train a little bit with a guy named Jacob Harmon. He's a, a wrestling coach. He was a coach at Calvary Chapel High School out here, Church Boys Wrestling, which every year they were having one or two state champions. He's coach Morgan McIntosh, is Big Ten champion from uh, Penn State. A lot of jiu-jitsu 
guys helping with their wrestling, the Buchecha, uh, all the Gracie Baja guys I did strength and conditioning for. Um, so I started training some, some wrestling stuff with him. Jacob wrestled for Arizona State, like a contemporary of like Dan Severin era. Oh, it's one of my and favorites. He's about 5'8", 270. Mm. Of everyday wrestling for the last 35 years of his life. Like wrestlers are fucking crazy. Yeah, they are he, strong too. Yeah, Holy crap. He's the wrestler that other wrestlers are like, oh, that guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so training, training with him for a couple of weeks, like that that definitely helped me turn the intensity up in, in training. So I, I felt prepared there. And and he's a he's a very like ah, you know, rah rah guy. And I'm like real laid back and it was the same, the same way for powerlifting. And so he's, he's sitting up there in the stands at Pan Am's with my girlfriend, Marissa. And he's like, why isn't Chad just, why isn't he more like fired up? And Marissa knows from powerlifting, like I'd be having a conversation like this in the, in the back room and then, you know, laughing, joking, whatever. And, and then they're going to say, you know, Chad Smith bars loaded and it don't take me one, one second. And now we're ready to go. And she's like, it'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be fine. And he'll, he'll switch it on. And then she said like five seconds in, into the match where this song is, you know, snap this guy down right off the bat. And, and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that final match. I think it was flow grappling, put it on their Instagram, I believe. But I was like, Oh crap, there goes Chad Wesley Smith. And I was like, <laughs> And someone bigger than him. Holy crap. That's like, 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 I felt like you guys were like locked up with each other, just like stalemating for a good minute. But I'm sure it felt even longer for you as you were like, oh, yeah. as you were like standing there, huh? Yeah. Then we like crashed through the barrier on the outside. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that, that one drew a lot of attention. You know, and what's is Thursday afternoon or whatever when blue belts are competing. So it's kind of slow in there, but I had so many people come up after. And I was watching your match, and and fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you have that uh, new juggernaut strength and conditioning for BJJ now the the AI right? I was doing that. I've been doing that for probably we just started another one, but I had done that one for months, and I absolutely oh, loved oh, it. And uh, and it was it was cool to see because I come from like a, a CrossFit background. Uh, and when I first started CrossFit, the big thing was if you're not dying by the end of the workout, then you obviously didn't try hard enough. And then now it's kind of shifting to kind of like what you have in your programming of like reps in reserve, RAR. Can you explain like the philosophy philosophy behind that a little bit? And if people should or shouldn't be kind of incorporating that into their strength and conditioning for jujitsu? Yeah. So, I mean, RAR, RP stuff aside, I think training for jiu-jitsu, training conditioning for jiu-jitsu, people conflate the idea of, of like one of the biggest mistakes they make is they try and do a powerlifting or a weightlifting or a strongman or a CrossFit, a CrossFit program or whatever for jiu-jitsu performance. And that's just not the best way to do it. The uh, so training that supports jiu-jitsu performance is, you know, enough on these different movement patterns to, yeah, help improve maximal strength and explosive strength and strength endurance, but not too much to take away from, from the jiu-jitsu training side of things, uh, that getting like married to this is the best exercise. That is the best exercise is a, is a big mistake because now even today in, in the garage with my, my guys, if someone's like, Oh coach, this is bugging my shoulder. All right, let's change it because I don't care if you bench press or if you squat or if you deadlift or, you know, there's no best exercise for jujitsu. The best jujitsu exercise is jujitsu. Like the only irreplaceable part of an athlete's training is their sport practice. For powerlifting, squat, bench, and deadlift is your sport practice. For weightlifting, snatch and clean and jerk is your sport practice. But for jujitsu, it doesn't matter if you're going to front squat, back squat, box squat, belt squat, safety squat, bar, landmine squat, you know, the list goes on. Get some squat movement pattern in. The one that the athlete can you know, do safely that their technique is good at, that they can create some output at because we are there to get stronger and that fits within the context of their, their plan. Um, so approaching it that way is, you know, what, what I try and do. And then 
then it becomes the, the idea of like how heavy should you lift for BJJ? And I have a whole YouTube video about this if, if you want to want to watch that. But training, you know, in the same way that that using a powerlifting or a weightlifting program for jiu-jitsu training is an, an error, chasing strength numbers for the sake of of strength, like it's it's not like there's uh, I was saying to, to one of my guys I was coaching this morning. Um, he's like, well, it was that good. He deadlifted, trap bar deadlifted 150 kilos, so 330 for 10. He's a, a black belt, uh, lightweight guy, even maybe one below lightweight. It was like 148. And I was like, well, I was like, you're strong enough now. Like, uh, so I, I do have some like standard kind of things. Like, I think if a jiu jitsu competitor can deadlift two and a half times their body weight, squat two times their body weight even either or one of those do three pull-ups with 50% of their body weight added on to them and bench one and a quarter, one and a half times their body weight and the, uh, all for triples uh, and all those that, that you're as strong as you would ever need to be. Hamo uh, Bahao is the strongest jiu-jitsu guy I've ever encountered. He was much stronger with the barbell than the other, you know, high level black belts that I was training he deadlifted 500 at 195 body weight, which for the jiu-jitsu guys, that was like, oh shit, this is, right. he's, you know, order of magnitude ahead of everyone. If you go to a powerlifting meet, a guy who deadlifts 500 at 195, no one's batting an eye about that. Like, yeah. here's your, here's your seventh place ribbon. Congratulations. <laughs> you know? So that level of strength is not something that requires specific strength, you know, specific powerlifting training to develop. It should almost be developed as a it's a byproduct of well-designed training. So doing stuff that's you know two, three reps in reserve, seven, eight RPE, um, not going to for maximum true maximums and not going to failure all the time, it's not gonna impose as much fatigue on you as the training for powerlifting specifically would, or bodybuilding or weightlifting or whatever, where you're pushing for maximums or pushing to muscular failure. It's going to get you plenty strong enough for for jiu-jitsu. and you know because it's it's all has to be developed in in concert with each other. You know it's it's not like when you get to, if if all right, Chad said two and a half times body weight deadlift. That's that's the good thing for jiu-jitsu. So I'm going to do this deadlift program and I'm going to get to two and a half times body weight, and then they're going to put this special stripe on my belt that says two and a half times body weight deadlift. <laughs> I'm better at jujitsu two and a half times. Why am I not choking this guy out? Well, probably because while you were doing a fucking deadlift program, that guy was training jujitsu. Right, right. You know? It's all got to fit together. Um, so most of the guys that I that I coach, they train jujitsu, or they train, they lift two or three times a week. They might do two or three more tempo sessions, and you know a lot of them are training jujitsu six to ten times a week. So it's all uh, fitting it together. I know when, when Homolo was at his peak, um, you know, competing back 2010, 11, 12, he was training 18 sessions a week. So 12 wow. jujitsu, three lifting and three conditioning. So, and that just has to be managed. And, and, you know, for those guys, that's a, that's a lifetime of work capacity being built up. But, uh, but yeah, like you don't need to, to train, for max weights all the time, like a powerlifter would. And that's, you know, lifting to maximum all the time is not the best way to train for powerlifting either. It's even worse for jujitsu. So it's like, you know, it, it, every day can be modulated by how you feel. Jujitsu guys are always getting little injuries, this and that. So, you know, taking 10 pounds less one day or changing an exercise to something that, you know, feels comfortable for the day, it's all, all fine. Yeah, uh, we we put some feelers out there for people that wanted to ask questions uh, specifically towards like your kind of your specialty. And one question that uh, I got was someone wanted to know the pros and cons to uh, belt squats and, you know, kind of like if they just started in jujitsu, they're a brand new white belt and they want to know if it kind of benefits towards jujitsu. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, the, the type of squat that you choose is not so significant. There's there's three criteria I look like I look at for exercise selection. 
Uh, I have a YouTube video about this called the best exercise for jiu-jitsu or the six best exercises for jiu-jitsu, something like that. Um, and the, the answer to, to it is that there's not best exercises. There's movement patterns, squat, press, pull, hip hinge, hip extension, twist, carry. You do those things, you train your neck directly, you've got a good jiu-jitsu program. What you choose to fit into that category, the squat category could be high bar, you know, ass grass, back squats. It could be low bar squats, box squats, front squat, specialty bar. Belt squat's a great option in that because the criteria of, of using it for, for your program is the athlete can, you know, do it well with good technique. Uh, they can create some strength stimulus with it so they can go heavy enough to help them get stronger, which is the point of lifting weight for sport performance. And it fits within the context of their, of their program. Um, you know, that, that's something like I ha happens more with me and my football guys, if they have, you know, they're in a period where they're doing a lot of sprinting, then box squats, which are a little bit less fatiguing is probably a better option than, than the squat without a box. And for the jiu-jitsu guys, belt squat will always be a good option because your low back just takes a lot of stress from, from jiu-jitsu, especially for, for guard players. If you're inverting and doing that kind of stuff, like, man, there's, there's rough positions of, yeah. of deep flexion, you know, flexion under load, flexion and rotation together. So not compounding stress on your low back with, you know, traditional, with conventional deadlifting and, and higher low bar squatting is probably a great decision if you have access to a belt squat, because what we're trying to do is, is train your legs, train, train the squatting pattern and make your legs stronger, not necessarily make your squat stronger because how much you can squat, if that's what, what mattered, where's my black belt world? <laughs> you know, they never gave me one. Cause where's, where's the patch for my gi? It says I, I squat heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so a belt squat's a great option because you can you can train your legs hard and heavy, and you know without that that extra stress on the low back, which is already getting stressed so much by your regular jujitsu training. I think that neck that that's what I get straining the most in jujitsu neck and lower back for sure. Yeah, I, I, I even it. ordered my wife got me an iron neck, so I'm trying that out. We'll see how it goes. We we got the iron neck in the in the garage. I think I, I got to send it in though. They got to repair it for me because. Philippe was turning it up too tight and then it was to maximum. And my guy, ne Neiman Gracie, a Bellator fighter, would come in and be like, oh, I got to turn this down. And I think the Iron Man got confused by the big swings and tension that it was being presented with those two. Yeah. So, um, oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. On, on My buddy had one more question. He was, oh no, I feel stupid now. I completely forgot. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, the iron neck completely threw me off. Like I pictured it in my head of like John sitting there in his bedroom, just <laughs> so. Um, but so you used to John. John pointed out. I, I saw a, a Twitter video of you. It was probably like I don't know, twenty sixteen is when I saw this video. Uh, but it made me laugh because you had boat shoes on and you were about to do some powerlifting. Well, I want to make sure I got that right too. I was thinking about that today before you. Did you say you wore ballerina slippers, but you lost one? Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't I know if I, I made that up in my head or not. So I was like, I ain't going to say no, you big dude, but you know, like ballet, ballet slippers. Cause you have to, you have to have a sole on, on your shoe. You can't just be in your socks uh, per the, per the rules. So that was the closest thing that existed to, you know, a sock. I wasn't going to wear, I'd rather wear a ballet slipper than like a Vibram five fingers. Uh, and now they make, you know, there's powerlifting companies that, that make, sock like shoes uh almost look like like water socks kind of things that people will deadlift in but though that didn't exist in 2011 or 12 whenever this was so i'm at the meet and i'm looking at my bag and i only i only have one ballet slipper with me <laughs> so it was either my my squat my weightlifting shoes or my sperry topsiders which i wear all the time great fat guy shoe don't have to bend down to tie it you know um so I just was like, okay, I'll just wear, the, wear those. And it felt good. It was like a very thin, hard, flat sole. And so I just kind of, you know, it started out of uh, out of necessity at the moment and then continued 
you know, partly out of practicality, partly out of, uh, of people thinking it was funny, I think, but yeah, <laughs> deadlift, deadlift Did, in those. So. Didn't you hit a personal record with those on? Yeah, I, yes. I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't change it then. I'd, I'd wear it everywhere I went, probably grocery shopping, everything. Like, wouldn't probably care. Every, every deadlift session for four years, five years. <laughs> uh, still never. Sperry contacted me one time that they were going to send me some, and then they never did. So oh, this you know that could have been a new a new market for them. Sperry, if you're listening to this, you done messed up. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> so I remember what my question was. So uh, you mentioned kind of like training in jiu-jitsu to better at jiu-jitsu, right? Uh, when it comes to like cardio, uh, cardio for jiu-jitsu, besides rolling five, ten minutes at a time, you have, you, what would you recommend kind of like anaerobic and aerobic exercising to kind of help? Because you need to have a balance in both, right, to make sure that you can get better all around, right? Yeah, so the, the most significant thing is going to be, you know, training more jiu-jitsu, but that comes at a really high cost. Um, it, you know, you get, you get beat up training a lot of jiu-jitsu. Uh, so when you need to improve your conditioning and just training more jiu-jitsu is, you know, the, the cost outweighs the benefit there. The most significant thing that I want people to include is, is some kind of either low intensity, steady state, aerobic work, swimming, biking, uh, particularly are, are options I like, or we'll have them do these tempo circuits. So the way we organize a tempo circuit is 30 to 45 seconds of, of cyclical aerobic activity. Um, that's usually either exercise bike, air bike, rower, ski erg, uh, jump rope, swimming, you can do it with running. You could do it with even just like kind of high knees in place. Um, you go 30 to 45 seconds of that at about 70, 75% of output, which if you're doing something like the air bike or the rower is really nice because, you know, at some point just establish what like the rower, let's say um, if you do an all out 500 meters on the rower, you know that 120 is maximum uh, speed for you is the best pace that you can get. So take, you know, 75% of that speed. So a minute 20 times 1.25. And let's say that that's a minute 50. So you want to row at 150 pace for 45 seconds. Then you set like a little interval timer, 45 seconds on, 15 second transition, then 45 seconds of a low level calisthenic corrective exercise, push-ups, abs, ring rows, you know, whatever kind of bird dog dead bug stuff you might need to, to do to keep healthy neck exercises and then that for 45 seconds 15 second transition back on the bike or the row or whatever or just keep going back and forth like that 20 to 40 minutes um, that both improves aerobic capacity and should enhance recovery when done properly if you go too hard on it it's going to add some fatigue too easy you won't get your heart rate high enough to develop aerobic capacity but in that sweet spot of about 70 75 percent output you're, you're getting the best of both worlds there with improved aerobic capacity and uh, improved recovery. I had uh, one of my training partners, a, a brown belt, a police officer, trains hard jiu-jitsu lifting, and he had switched from another program and started doing our, our BJJ AI stuff. And he's like, he's like, and these, these tempos, like, you know, at first I was like, these are kind of boring. I, th I thought they were bullshit. And then uh, he takes his HRV, he's like the whoop band, and takes the HRV every morning. He's like, he's like, my HRV score is up like 30 points on average from this um, after about a month of doing those. So I think that those are the most overlooked things. A lot of times the jiu-jitsu guys, they get in the gym and they want to turn the gym into conditioning as well and do these really hard circuits and stuff. And it's like, eh, that, that's just, just do more jiu-jitsu then because the, that's coming at the same energetic cost. And that's something that I used to have guys do all the time back in the day. And, and as I look at the change you know from 2010 11 12 when i was coaching a lot of jiu-jitsu guys to now the last year or so as i picked up doing a lot of that again that's probably the biggest change is we're in the weight room to get strong so we're just focused on really high quality movement and then and making sure that guys stay healthy and then complementing that with the low level aerobic stuff with the tempos and let jiu-jitsu take care of the rest 
sometimes we'll, we'll do some uh, alactic capacity training. So if we were to look at alactic power is like one time, how, how high, how far, how fast can you jump, throw, how explosively can you lift? Alactic capacity is the ability to repeat that high level effort over and over. So let's say if your best box jump is 42 inches um, and you can do one, you know, well, if you shoot a blast double right off the bat and make it great, but you know, five minutes later, if you you got no juice left in you, so this is a kind of a, a marriage of alactic power because you got to have, you know, if, if your fastest and most explosive isn't fast and explosive enough, it doesn't matter how many times you can repeat it. So you got to have the, the power before the capacity. So you develop a big power and aerobic capacity alongside of it. Then you can do some specific alactic capacity training too, which we usually do as like three to six seconds of very intense work, like, and maybe three kettlebell squat jumps, then rest for 10 to 20 seconds, depending on the athlete's fitness level, then go again, then go again. And over the course of like three weeks, you know, maybe the first week we do six sets, eight sets, 10 sets, deload. And we'll have a couple of different exercises like that, typically following the same idea of, of the, you know, category based stuff. So we're looking for a, a jump, um, an explosive push. So that could be, like uh, clapping push-ups, put uh, push-ups on the boxes, medicine ball throws, explosive pull, and explosive twists. So like barbell Russian twists, twisting med ball slams, a lot of different options, but but something that you can go really hard, you know, for just a couple seconds on, uh, interspersed with short rest periods. Yeah, it's funny as you mentioned all that stuff. I'm like playing out my programming like, in my head great. that like, that I did for you. I was like, man, I remember doing all the med ball slams, med ball throws for like warm ups, right? And I was like reading through your description of everything. You're like, you always want to start off with like some sort of explosive movement to get your body moving, like clapping push ups, like you said, or depth push ups, or things like that. And so when you mentioned that, I was just like literally running it through my head. I was like, yeah, I remember all of those things in my programming. So yeah, uh, I'll go ahead. Sorry. So we have, uh, you know, we, we have the BJJ AI stuff right now, but we just released our Juggernaut AI app, uh, which is powerlifting. Next, we'll add powerlifting. Jiu-Jitsu is actually going to get its whole own app that should be out in like June or July. And with that, people will be able to select like what focus they want. If they want to focus more on strength, more on speed and power, more on endurance, it'll give them a focus program to that. If they have a tournament coming up, they'll just tell it, my tournament is this date. It'll create an individualized, periodized program to lead up to that tournament or a type of program we have a lot of guys doing right now. We call it a lifestyle program, you know, for guys who maybe they're going to compete once or twice a year, but, or they just want to train jujitsu at their school and, and feel better and move better and look better. Uh, so that's kind of like a nonstop, more concurrent periodization uh, system that incorporates all the stuff I'm, I'm talking about and different, you know, training for strength and speed and endurance, but all mixed together quite a bit more. I'll definitely be partaking of that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So a lot of the, the warm ups that you have in the AI, uh, I keep talking about it cause like I said, I loved it and I, I did it for so long. Um, I actually found, I found myself wondering like, what if we did some of these movements as a warm up for a jujitsu class? If you were to lead a jujitsu warm up in class, what would you throw in some of those warm ups in the warm up for class? A hundred percent. Philippe and I were just talking about that today. Like even just with the bear crawl series movements that we use, like that would lend itself, I think really well. So Gracie Baja headquarters where I train, you know, it's not uncommon to have, especially pre COVID 30 to 50 guys in a class. Um, so with that, you know, we're all kind of on our spots doing, doing the, the Gracie Baja warmup. Um, but we could all be on those spots, you know, in bear crawl position, which is warming up your shoulders, which is warming up your abs. And, and like, so go bear crawl, shoulder touches, uh, bird dog from bear crawl. They do like a sit out kind of rotational stuff would rotate into from bear crawl into like a crab walk position and, and hip extend with that. And then you get into moving you know, forward, backward, lateral bear crawls is warming up everything. Uh, but yeah, all that kind of stuff. I mean, breathe 90, 90 breathing bird dogs, dead bugs, uh, 
not unsurprisingly, I have another video about, uh, <laughs> about like, injury prevention for jujitsu. I'll do that one too um, then. <laughs> and, uh, that's that video is with uh, a black belt named Julian Vanderlinden, who's just finishing up his doctorate in uh, physical therapy, and you know showing different exercises to. All right, if you you know have neck issues, try this. Shoulder issues, try this. Low back, try this kind of thing. But there's a lot of stuff I think about. You know, just regular jujitsu classes, but you know my interest more in competitive the structure of competitive jujitsu training that could really be improved. I think a lot of, a lot of jujitsu is very, you know, based in tradition and, uh, you know, a lot of that tradition was in my garage an, an hour ago, you know, so I don't want to say there's a bad way to, to do it, but a lot of, a lot of the competitive jujitsu training seems like it's let's get as many tough guys in the same room as we can together. And, come out the other side tougher, but not with a much of a mind to, to, you know, a, a period periodization of, of different types of drills and long-term development and long-term planning, where I think that there is a, a, a lot to be improved there. John, you got any more questions? I know you did a lot of research. You had, he was talking earlier. Uh, saying, you, I got you, so many questions. Mate, for well, I mean, you pretty much, we talked about pretty much everything, but I mean, this topic for me, you know, it, it means a lot. Like I'm always looking at like, uh, you know, how can I get stronger? How can my endurance get better? How can I prevent these injuries? And, you know, uh, I'm a little bit older than Travis, you know, but Just like, a little bit, you know, and, you know, especially for like the guys, you know, we got a couple guys in our gym that are in their forties, fifties, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the pace is a little bit different. We have to look at different ways of keeping in shape without getting injured and, you know, rolling with the younger guys. So, you know, that's Those white something, I'm always, something I'm always looking for. So what, what's uh, what's next for you there, Chad? Uh, you know, we're right now just working on these, these apps a lot. Uh, so we've got our powerlifting, our Juggernaut AI app, kind of our flagship with the powerlifting in that that we released in December so we've still got to add to that power building, weightlifting, super total, kind of just a general strength and conditioning. Think more like CrossFit with planning uh, into that. Then we're going to have the Jiu-Jitsu app, which I think at some point, you know, we'll also add other combat sports into it, MMA, wrestling, boxing, um, and then maybe a, a endurance sports one as well uh, from everything from you know, you want to try and squat 500 and run a five minute mile combined kind of idea to ultra marathon, Ironman triathlon, everything in between in that regard. So I was doing a lot of work, uh, and that side of, side of things, you know, as, as far as like competing in jujitsu for me, uh, you know, if, if I feel like I'm in good shape and there's something that sounds fun, I might jump in it. But you know, when I was doing, when I did worlds in Pan Ams, I was all, I'm, you know, the only way I know to compete really is to go all in. So that was six days a week jujitsu, a couple days strength and conditioning, a couple days extra conditioning, uh, and just, you know, feeling beat up <laughs> most of the time. Uh, and then, you know, if my girlfriend wanted to go for a hike or my buddies wanted to play golf, it was like, oh, man, I just really don't know if I can. Uh, so now, you know, I've, I'm – only 30, I'm 34, but I've spent, you know, 30 years of my life competing in something from AYSO soccer to, to football and track and powerlifting, strongman jujitsu that, uh, now I would consider myself a uh, professional hobbyist. So <laughs> jujitsu, I have fun with that. I play some golf. I lift some weights, uh, but yeah, more just coaching, coaching and teaching. Any frisbee golf, playing any frisbee golf? I have not. I've not dabbled. <laughs> oh come on, Chad! You got you got Yeah, that I we we real quick. We played when we were in San Diego last time, and I was like, oh man, frisbee golf. It doesn't sound that exerting. I was sweating so yeah. profusely by the end of it. I was. It was amazing how hard it actually was. You're, you're throwing that thing oh. as hard as you can over and over. Again. Yeah, it was yeah. good. I was terrible at it too. <laughs> so, Chad, if you you we one question we always like to ask people when they come on is. Because we try to target the show since we started it as white belts, and we were trying to get advice for other white belts. What would you give uh, white belts going starting their jujitsu journey right now? What, what advice would you give them? Oh, you know, to I think the classic stuff of setting the the ego aside, 
you know, if you're coming from a, a background similar to, to me in the strength sports, then, you know, take the advice that Philippe gave you the first day, train, train like you're weak. You know, it's a, if you, if you are proficient enough in the techniques to do them without using your strength, you're going to, when you start using the strength, it's only going to be more, more useful. Um, yeah. you know, don't, don't worry about winning all your, all your matches and in, in, uh, in class, like just be humble, take, take advice where you can get it and, and yeah, just enjoy yourself. It's a, it's a phenomenal community. Like so many great people I've, I've met, I got to train jiu-jitsu, you know, several places across the country now I'm trained in Australia, Ireland. So it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Australia. I did forget about that, but I did listen to you on one of your previous interviews and you said Australia was one of your favorite places. And I've yeah, been five, five times, six times, five times. Holy crap. Me too. But it was always just Perth or Tasmania. You went to a couple different places and I was like, man, it made me miss it. And I was like, I miss Australia. That was always a good time. Yeah, I, I, I've only been to, to both of those places, Perth and Tasmania, once each. Uh, Brisbane, probably my favorite part. Uh, Melbourne was where I've been the most. Sydney, been there two or three times. Sydney might as well just be California. You know, it's meh, meh. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice place, but uh, yeah, I felt like I was, I was in like a more expensive cross between LA and San Francisco in Sydney. So uh, that's whatever. Last question. Uh, Would you recommend people um, try some competitions? A lot of people are like real against it. You know, they've never done it. They get real nervous. Or would you say, you know, at least try it once? Uh, you know, I think that's, that's different for everybody. You know, for me, I never, I never thought for a second, I'm not doing this to compete. You know, I started jujitsu the first day I'm going to compete in this because that's all I've done my whole life. But now as I'm, you know, in my professional hobbyist stage, I see it can be something that you, you know, get a ton out of without ever competing. But, you know, if people do have that, that inkling to compete, yeah, I think it's, it's great. It puts, you know, extra accountability on you to, to train harder, to dial in your diet, to do all that stuff for that period of time. Um, and if you like it, keep doing it. You know, if, uh, if you like just training at the school, that's, that's fine too. Well, that's a great question to end on. Chad, where can, where can people find you at if they, if they want to follow you and see how big you actually are in person? <laughs> uh, my, my Instagram, which is basically just posts about Juggernaut AI and an extremely rare post of anything about myself personally, <laughs> at Chad Wesley Smith, at Juggernaut Training, uh, both of those on Instagram, jtsstrength.com is our website where you can find all of our coaching stuff, Juggernaut Training Systems YouTube. Uh, if you have a question about how to lift weights for anything, I probably have a video about it. We have like 1,500 videos uh, that give the very, you know, some people may have heard the things I said on here and be like, man, this is really in depth. Whatever I said on here, I got a video that's like 10 times more in depth. <laughs> so do you, do, real quick, I, I just remembered, um, I used to listen to your podcast with uh, with Max and you guys had the best logo for your podcast you stole from Step Brothers. Do you guys yes. still do that podcast? I couldn't find it on Google Podcasts today. I think you today. have three podcasts now, don't you? Uh, you know, I've done several. I mean, my main ones are Jug Life podcasts, and then I did the Beers with Chad. Uh, and Jug Life, I don't even know when the last time I did one was. Um, Beers with Chad, I was doing a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I was like, fuck, I'm drinking too much beer. I'm <laughs> Uh, so I'm kind of, that's why we don't bring this in here anymore. We, we gotta have, we a, used to bring six packs or a whole bottle and then they were done by the end of the podcast. We're like, sit there like, man, that was a great podcast, man. Yeah. So I, I've been meaning to, to ramp the beers with Chad brand up and, and kind of making that, uh, you know, it's own thing from, from juggernaut. Cause you know, once you talk to one person about how they train their squat, you talk to them all. Uh, so that, that would be kind of be like a, just really everything that I like. So it'd be some podcasts, you know, about lifting, lifting, about golf, about jujitsu, about, you know, business development, about pop culture, whatever it is. So, uh, I will be bringing that, that one back. I'm just 
That's revving, revving myself up. <laughs> well, hey, Chad, I want to say thank you very much for giving us your, your time today to come on the show and talk jiu-jitsu and BS. There's there's more we, we could have gone into, but I know you're a super busy man, so we want to keep you too long. So I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Uh, my pleasure, guys. So, all right, well... Guys, thank you so much for watching at home. Remember, you can watch this on YouTube and whatever. Um, John, you got anything else? No, man. Thank you. It was great. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, thanks for watching and listening. And remember, no oil checks here. I'm not saying it. Come on. Just say it, man. You got to nope. say it one time. All right. Oh, all right. Later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>